Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. You ever have those times where you just wrestle with the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and you're fighting, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then he says, no, you need to, you need to. I don't know if this is one of those times, but I, I, need, to, I need to confess. It's hard for pastors to confess. It shouldn't be, but for some reason it is harder for pastors to confess because we feel like all eyes are on us, and in some regard they are. And, um, and the confession is this. For me, I've had a, a horrible sense of pride. I've struggled with it my whole life. Growing up, being told that you, you're, you don't do things right a lot um, is hard. But you don't realize that that's abnormal until you see other families outside of yourself. There's nothing you can do to live up to the expectation of people you love the most in your life. Now, it's not my mother. My mother, I could do no wrong. But my stepfather, you know, as a point of confession, could never do any right. And I'm realizing as a 45-year-old this year, I'll be 45, 45-year-old adult, that I have fought and I have struggled the biggest majority of my life with trying to be right. Um, to the point to where it's unhealthy. Have you ever done that? You, you fight to win an argument. You fight to, to be right because maybe you were told you were wrong your whole life. And so you've believed the lie of the enemy who plants this seed of doubt in your own mind and your own heart that leads you to this place to where you begin to cultivate the lie in your life. You don't mean to, but you cultivate this lie of the enemy that you are no good, that you're not going to amount to anything, that you're worthless, to the point that you begin to believe it. But externally, you're fighting so hard to be right. I want to be right. I want to do the right things. I want to be the right person. It's hard when you feel a calling into ministry like I have, and, and you, you are working for the right. And I'm not talking politically, but for God himself. You know his word. It is truth. And you, you fight tooth and nail to keep the truth in front of God's people and in front of those who don't know the truth. And there are reactions that come back. And the reactions are, yeah, that's truth for you, but it's not truth for me. Or any number of slurs or accusations come back against you because when you confront somebody with the truth and the truth doesn't measure up to their lifestyle, they think you're judgmental. Growing up with an unsaved father until, like I said, two years before he died, the accusations were always hurled. You're just being judgmental. Why don't you just go live at the church? And then when I decided to go into ministry, felt a calling at age 16, and finally, you know, uh, pulled the trigger, decided to go to school to learn about being a pastor, he couldn't understand that. Why am I telling you all this? Because this deep-rooted issue of pride and always wanting to be right, and sometimes even when you are right, 
and you know the other person's wrong, still fighting for my choice to be right in spite of the relationship has destroyed relationships in past. It's not healthy. And I guess what I, what I want to confess is that issue of pride that has led to what's around my neck. It's not a noose. <laughs> it is the only thing I feel comfortable wearing in public if I have to wear a face covering. And you're saying, well, I think it's stupid to wear a face covering. And yes, that's where I stood and continue to stand. I hate these things. I hate them. And I was, when, when this first the face mask mandate came out, the first go around, I hated it. And I said, I will not. I refuse. And I'm not saying you're this way. This is Brandon's confession. This isn't meant to step on toes. You hear me for what I'm saying, not for what I'm not saying, okay? Can we have that agreement today? Okay. The pride issue was, I refuse. I refuse to do that. Because I don't want to be forced to do something I don't want to do. And, and, and rightly so. I don't want to be. I still don't. But I started this second face mask mandate feeling convicted. And I'm like, why am I feeling so? You start to feel, I don't know if you've ever been under conviction before, but it's just this uneasiness. And you wiggle a lot. And I wiggle a lot anyway. But you wiggle and you squirm and you fight. And, and I know it's a spiritual, spiritual conviction. It wasn't because I had... Too much caffeine, not enough, enough caffeine. Um, and I started realizing the Holy Spirit started prompting me. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you desire. It's not about what you believe specifically with regard to this issue. It is, are you taking the freedom you have and are you abusing it and lording over others with it because of a deeper rooted issue of pride in your life? Again, this is bigger than a face mask issue today. I want you to know that. But the enemy will use the tools that he can at his disposal to divide and conquer God's people. And you know why I'm starting to feel the conviction? Because my heart wasn't in the right place and aligned properly with God's heart. But secondly, I'm starting to see how this is affecting the church. On social media, uh, on the news, in the newspapers, and I'm, listen, I'm not advocating for one side or the other. You can go out and you can find a myriad of resources from the CDC, from the WHO, from other medical doctors out there, from YouTube, from Facebook, all of the things. You can find anything to back either side of this argument, okay? As much as I might want to, and I have, this is a part of my pride issue, because I hate face masks, guess what I've been looking for? I've been looking for reports that say face masks are bad for you, they're unhealthy, and yes, in many regards they are, because you shouldn't be wearing one all day long and, and breathing in your CO2 and all that, but just on the other side of this issue too, there are those that wear them that necessarily need to. But here's what's happened. It's gotten into the church, and instead of Jesus being the focus, guess what's become the focus? And if you wear one, then you're this political party or this bent. If you, wear, if you don't wear one, then you're this political party or this bent. And you see what's happened? It's become such a polarizing issue because of the politicization of the pandemic, regardless of where you stand on the issue, that it has become such a wedge within the church that we are the ones that are to be lighting the way, not playing the silly games that the rest of the world is playing. So let me, let me uh, again, I'm not 
I'm not preaching at you. Please know that I have had to swallow some really hard pills during this pandemic, during this, this time of racial tension. I came across this path. It kept coming back to mind. I have, I, have never preached, I have never preached on this chapter. I probably should, but I've never preached on this chapter. I'm going to be reading from the message because I read like five different versions of Scripture on this specific passage, but the message, I think, really kind of opens this up for us a little bit better for our contemporary context. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and I'm throwing my whole media crew off because I have a ton of prepared stuff here um, that quite honestly we're probably not going to get to today, so I'm going to save it for next week, all right? Those of you who are at home, this is probably not what you expected, so uh, welcome to my, my world. All right. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 8. There was an issue going on in the church. Can I tell you, the church at Corinth was a messed up church. They were the ones who would have been in town. You're like, oh, the Corinthian church? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're not like them. The Corinthian church was so messed up. They had infighting, bickering over carpet color, pews versus chairs, worship styles. Okay, now I'm just, they did. They had it over tongue speaking versus not tongue speaking. They had it over, I have a special knowledge that you don't have, nanana boo boo. Seriously, that's what was going on in this church. And so the enemy had gotten, the, 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 I think the church at Corinth was a church that struggled with pride because it was all about the individual and not about the body of Christ. And, and you read this, 1 Corinthians, and then you have another, another book called 2 Corinthians or another letter from Paul who's basically writing the, the first one. I remember sitting in seminary and uh, our biblical scholar professor who was a specialist in, Paul, in the Pauline epistles, which are Paul's letters to the church, she said, it's almost as if the very first one that he wrote, the 1 Corinthians letter was like, you guys are going to hell. And then the second letter was like, uh, you know, I'm sorry for blowing up on you like that. So you can, read, you can read both letters and you can determine for yourself, it, but he is a lot more, he's a lot more laid back in 2 Corinthians than he is in 1 Corinthians. But he's addressing and rebuking issues in the Corinthian church that it becomes so divisive that they are tearing the church apart. And then you come to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, he talks about an issue during that day and age, much like a face mask issue today, that was becoming so divisive that he had to address it. And it was about meat, meat, you know, like chicken, beef, pork. And yes, they did eat pork in the Gentile regions, in the Gentile churches. That stuff offered to idols. Because guess what? They had a number of different pagan temples in virtually every city you could go to in the Roman kingdom, in the Roman empire. And they would actually sacrifice animals at every one of those places. And you could go to the meat markets outside of these temples where they're frying up some shish kebab from meat that was just offered to Apollo or not Apollo wherever he is over here, but the, you know, Apollo, the sun god of the Romans, or, you know, any of the other gods that, that might have a temple to them, and they're like, hey, you want a shish kebab, street vendors, and like, yeah, give me one of those. 
But then there were those in the church that said, you can't eat meat offered to idols. That's sinful. You're going to go to hell. Well, you can eat meat offered to idols, and if you don't, you're going to hell. Well, let's pick up what's going on in the story here from Paul's perspective. And again, I'm reading from the message. The question keeps coming up regarding meat that's been offered up to an idol. The question's been coming up. Guess what? You know why I'm addressing this too? You know how many phone calls and comments I've gotten? Why aren't you requiring people to wear a mask and not turning them away if they don't come in with a mask? Or why are you even suggesting anybody wear a mask? And it puts your leadership in a bit of a position to say, I just want to be together and be the church. Wear a mask. Don't. Can, I, can I, real quick, do you think the church can secure your physical health 100% no matter what? No. Who? There is one who can. But if you were to succumb to this virus and still die, he can secure you for an eternity. All right? So we just came through a series on fear in June, talking about the fear of men or things versus the fear of God. You shouldn't be arrogant about it. Yes, calculate the cost for you, your family, but church, let's not let this become divisive. There is one who can keep us safe 100%, physically if he desires, but eternally for our souls. Amen. And that is the bigger question and the larger conversation we need to be having as a church. If you're at risk, come at your own risk. If you're not at risk, don't be arrogant and pompous about it. Let me read. Questions been coming up regarding meat that's been offered up to an idol. Should, should you attend meals where such meat is served or not? Should you stop by the local shish kebab place and have them shave you off some of that lamb meat that's been offered to, you know, Zeus? Should you or shouldn't you? We sometimes tend to think that we know all we need to know to answer these kind of questions. I know everything about this. I've read this. I've done that. I'm in this social media group. I know exactly the right answer. But sometimes, he says, our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. Ouch. Ouch. And I'm saying ouch for me, not for anybody else. Again, Trust me, before I've gotten up here today, I was nervous in that seat right there. I didn't want to talk about this. I'm like, let's go on with the sermon series, Joy Through Loss. We never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows it all. How many of you would raise your hand today and say you know everything there is to know about everything? One of you. I see, see that hand back there. If we're being honest with ourselves, we don't know everything. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I, uh, I went to college for ministry. I have a Bachelor of Arts degree in church ministry. I have had to do the Greek language studies. I have Hebrew books in my office as a part of the you know, necessary things of becoming a pastor and going on to complete my master's degree and then looking at philosophy books from Plato to Aristotle all the way up through the 20th century and 21st century. And, and it's not to puff up this knowledge, but it's, you know, you know what I realized about learning so much is how much I don't know. 
the more I learn, the more I read, because I'm an, I'm an avid reader. I love books. If you were to ever step in my office, one of the comic quote, do you have you read all these books? Actually, yeah. Because I desperately want to know what I don't know, and it's a lifelong pursuit for me because I know I will not know it all till I reach heaven. Paul tells us that. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, even said in 1 Corinthians 13, if you go a few more chapters over, for now we see through a glass dimly or darkly, but then we shall see him face to face. We shall know as we are fully known. You know what he's talking about there? Because he's continuing in the same thread of thought in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He's like, I don't even know everything. I'm pressing on daily. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm running the race with endurance. Why? Because he hasn't achieved it yet. Some people say, quite rightly, that idols have no actual existence. Guess what? You know what he's saying here? Actually, let me finish that sentence. This is what happens when I don't have my notes in front of me. Some people might say, and quite rightly, that idols have no actual existence, that there's nothing to them, that there is no God other than our one God. No matter how many of these so-called gods are named and worshipped, they still don't add up to anything but to a tall story. You know what Paul's writing there? He's saying there are people in the church that say there is no other God but God. All, all of these temples, all of these idols, they're just carved stone and wood. All of these statues, that's all they are. They're not real. They're not. So what if I eat a shish kebab from a temple that cooked it after they offered a sacrifice to this nothingness? So what's a big deal? And what was happening in the church is, I can eat it if I want to. And you can't tell me I can't. They say, again, quite rightly, that there is only one God the Father, and everything comes from him, and that he wants us to live for him. Quite right. Also, they say that there is only one master, Jesus the Messiah. Who's our master? President Trump. Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton. George W. Merka. Who's our master? Church. Who's our master? Thank you. Because I see so many in the church that are walking around like President Trump as our master. Or Governor Wolf is our master. Or Rachel Levine is our master. Church, who's our master? Do you really believe that? There's only one master, Jesus the Messiah, and that everything is for his sake, including us. Yes, that's true. In strict logic then, now he's using strict logic, because how many of you question the logic of masks? I'm not, don't raise your hand, it's rhetorical. I don't want to put you on the spot. How many of you question the logic of not wearing masks, right? What's the big deal? I see people wearing, here. I see people wearing them like this. It does no good. I see people wearing them like this. I see them wearing them like this. You know, I just messed my hair up. 
I see them wearing them across their midriff. Actually, I thought about stretching this on as a tube top at home. I will not take pictures and post, but it would be pretty funny. I love belly button shirts. If we're, th- sorry, uh, you got to bring some humor to this church. We've got to laugh because this is craziness. If we're thinking of this, he says, from a completely logical standpoint, we all have a basis for a certain amount of logic that we're able to understand and wrap our minds around. So he goes on to say, in strict logic, then nothing happened to the meat when it was offered up to an idol, right? When they offered this goat or this lamb or this pig or dove or whatever to this idol at this temple, did anything really happen? It's just like that with other meat. I know that and you know that. But nothing, excuse me, but knowing isn't everything. Ugh. That's another one of those kick to the guts for me. Because I pride myself in knowing, and knowing more, and knowing more, and learning more, and knowing more. And I can find you any article under the face of the sun to promote my knowing. But it, no, what does he say? And this is God's word. Knowing isn't Everything. Are you sure, Paul? Because I really, really like to know. Knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls. That hurts. Who treat others as know-nothings. Seriously. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Church, should, should it be the way with us? Huh? A couple of you believe it shouldn't. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. Oh, so now we're going to go to the sensitivity scale. I have to be sensitive to your feelings. (laughs) Yes, actually, in Christ's kingdom and economy, we are to consider the other person before we consider ourselves. It is the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy that will say, you can't step on, I have rights. Actually, in Christ, in order to make it to heaven, you have to lose everything first. Even your rights to you. You say, Brandon, you're manipulating and twisting the scripture. Challenge me on this. Let's do this. Let's go around. So not because I'm a know-it-all, but because I'm telling you, I have tried to find ways biblically to back my pride. And every time I come up empty, no matter what issue it is, when I want to push my know-it-all knowledge, guess what happens? I always get taken down a notch. And that hurts. Because falling from pride is a long way down. Sorry, let me go back. Shoot, I lost my place. All right. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. 
We need to be sensitive to the fact that we're not all the same, at the same level of understanding in this. Was the issue of meat offered to idols a biblical issue for Paul? Was it? No, guess what? It wasn't. But he was addressing it. He says, eat meat offered, fine. It's not going to send you to hell. Don't eat meat offered, it's not going to send you to hell. This is not a heaven or hell issue, people. Let's waste our time fighting for, not waste, let's use our time wisely fighting for the things that are heaven and hell issues. Not this. Fine, I concede, I will wear it. Ah, but, amen, I love it, woo. I have never heard her talk. That is the first time I've heard her talk. <laughs> wear it, don't wear it. You're welcome here. There's a state mandate. Can I be honest with you? The reason we sent that out was to follow the order of the governor's mandate, whether you like it or not. And it was one of those issues we came down on it said, is this, is this issue... An issue where the government's coming in and saying, you cannot worship in the public space. You cannot speak about Jesus. You cannot preach the word in all its fullness. It's not on that level yet. And I say yet, because I know there's a directive that seems to be leading in those ways. But shouldn't we save our energies for those real battles and those real fights when they do come? Let me ask you this question. I was thinking of this, and God gave me this revelation. He's like, what do you think my church is ch in China, the underground church, is doing right now? Do you think they're debating and arguing this? No, because they're risking their lives to meet in homes in the dark of night, or in caves, or in barns, or in open fields. They're not debating face masks. That is not even an issue for them. You know what is an issue? Everything is on the line for Christ for them. God forbid it takes that for the church to rise up and truly be the church unified together against a common evil, which is not Wolf, it's not Trump, it is the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing a dang good job of it in our churches today. Church, we've got to listen to the word. We've got to wake up and realize now is our time. And these battles that we fight are spiritual in nature, not physical in nature. For we wrestle with, not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers of this dark world who do seek to trip the church up. And if they can get the church in fighting over stupid, nonsensical things, he's won the battle and the world is none the wiser. So let me continue. We need to be sensitive to the fact that we're not all the same at the same level of understanding on this, meat, masks, corona, bush light. <laughs> Sorry, that's a sad choice. I am burning up. Do you mind if I, I know this is probably, I, I gotta, let me, I just, I'll put it back on when I get off. All right. She was like a turtleneck. I felt like I was on safari. All right. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idol meat. 
Some of you have done, it's never been an issue for you. Some of you have spent your entire lives doing that. And you're sure that there's, uh, and, and sure that there's, I'm sorry, I jumped in. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idle meat and are sure that there's something bad in the meat and that then comes something bad inside of you. See, some of them have become converted to Christianity, but they had grown up eating the meat offered at these temples, believing there were actually other gods out there. They grew up eating that, and then they broke away from that, believing there is one true God, and there's an inner conviction in them that says, I can't go back to that. But is it wrong to go back to that? For them, it is, because they have an internal conviction. For others, it may not be. But this is not a heaven or hell issue. And imagination and conscience shaped under those conditions isn't going to change overnight. There's, he's saying there are people who used to come, who used to eat this meat offered to idols, believing that they were doing an act of worship for this false God. Now they've broken away from that and they only worship the God of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. That is what they believe. That is now what they know. And to go back to that old pattern of life is not something they're willing to do. But that mentality is not going to change overnight. So what does it behoove those of us who may be more mature in the faith to do? To concede that they are on a learning curve just as we once were and still are. We, none of us have achieved perfection yet. But fortunately, God doesn't grade us on our diet. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I have lost a little weight, but he's, God doesn't, do you think God grades us on masks? Do you think he has a little book up there, a little steno pad that just is for face masks? The book of life is over here, but there's a face mask one up here in the social distancing. And he's, oh, Brandon did not wear his mask in front of those people. He did wear it in front of these, so that kind of balances out. Uh, was not socially distanced here, sneezed on that person there. <laughs> Do you think God's keeping track? We are neither commended when we clean our plate, nor are we reprimanded when we just can't stomach it. But God does, uh, but God does care. Oh, this is hard. God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in a way that leads a fellow believer still vulnerable to those old accusations and associations to be thrown off track. For instance, say you flaunt your freedom by going to a banquet thrown in honor of idols where the main course is meat sacrificed to idols. Isn't there great danger of someone still struggling over this issue? Someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature and sees you going to this banquet, but for them... It's wrong. The danger is that he will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up himself in what his conscience tells him is wrong. This is one of those issues I've debated most of my, most of my pastoral career is if the Lord has convicted you about something that he hasn't convicted me about and there's really no clear-cut black and white, it's not a clear-cut black and white issue in Scripture, then it's wrong for you, but it may not be wrong for me. But when we're together, who should be the one who concedes? Both of us. If, have you ever seen those? And there are a lot of them around here in Pennsylvania. 
when you're driving on a one-lane road and you come to a bridge, and it's a single-lane bridge, did you know there are yield signs on both sides? <laughs> did you know that? Not just one side. It's not like the other side can hammer on it. But you have to yield. No, there are yield signs on both sides. As believers in Christ, no matter where you're at on certain issues that are not biblical, that are considered gray areas of Scripture, we have to yield to one another. You may disagree with me on this. Study. Study this. Christ gave up his life for that person. Wouldn't you at least be willing to give up going to dinner for him? Because, as you say, it doesn't really make a difference. Mm. But it does make a difference if you hurt your friend terribly, doesn't it? Risking his eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here and there isn't worth all the cost of even one of these ones to suffer. So never go to these idle, tainted meals if there's a chance it will trip one of your other brothers or sisters up. Church, I don't know where you stand on this issue. Quite frankly, that's your business. I want you here, but I want you safe. I care for each and every one of you, and it tears my heart up when I know there are people on both sides of these issues shooting darts. And it tears the heart of God up when these issues become the dividing issues of our times for the church. There are issues where we have to take a stand that are biblical issues. And then there are others that suck the life out of us. If you, if you fight every battle on every hill, you lose the energy to fight the real battles that mean something for eternity. Church, we've got to rise above this junk. We have to be unified around the core principles of Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Encourage one another while it's still called today because we don't know how many more days we have left. Let's be honest. Whether Jesus comes back, Corona takes us, we get taken out by a stray bullet, or we lose our lives behind the wheel of a car or just fall over. We aren't promised tomorrow, but we are promised eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that's our hope. That's our excitement. One of the things I hope becomes our testimony as a church is North Main Street Church of God is a place who loves God relentlessly and loves people relentlessly, no matter where they are, who they are, or what they are. But they love in such a way as to reveal who Christ is so that Christ can transform them and not them themselves. You know how often I sit in the office counseling with somebody and I might be able to see the bigger picture of the problem, but they can't see it? And you know how hard I want to jump in and fix it for them? It's called codependency on my part. But you know how I see things and I'm like, I see the problem, here's what you need. It's not that easy. See, it's not my job to fix another person. It's my job to lead them to the one who can. Church, that's the truth. It's not 
on me if they walk away rejecting that message. It's not on me if they don't accept biblical advice. It's not on me if they reject the truth. See, that's not going to be held against me when I stand in front of Christ someday. What will be held against me is if I don't take people to the foot of the cross when I've had the opportunity to. I want to call our worship team forward, and as we close out this morning, I'm going to do this. And this is going to be a humbling thing. If you have wrestled with pride, not about face, maybe, maybe about this, I don't know. If you've wrestled with pride about any number of things, and the Lord is speaking to you today through this message, through his word, and he's saying it's time, it's time to approach the throne room of grace boldly, humbly, and with all confidence Prideful people cannot enter the presence of God. I'm going to tell you that right now. You cannot. You wonder why God may not be moving in your life? Check your pride. He may not be moving in your life because you've blocked his movement in your life by your pridefulness that says, I can fix it. I can do it. It's, I know what the right thing. And, and God said, okay, you know what? You can fix it. Have at it. But maybe he's saying, I need you to let that guard down a little bit and let me come in and let's clean house a bit. Let's get some of these albatrosses out of your life that have been weighing you down. And let's, let's, let's clean the place up a bit. It's going to require you to allow him to come in and say, ooh, that's an ugly plant over there. Can we get rid of that out of your life? Or that closet stinks like poo. Can we clean it out? talking about the condition of your life, not a real closet. Are you willing? Social distancing on my left, non-social distancing on my right. <laughs> Concede to one another. Love one another in spite of our differences and be willing to do the right thing for Christ's sake. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to put up with our silly idiosyncrasies. Thank you, Father, that you care enough <laughs> to be patient with us even when we're insufferable. But my prayer this morning, God, is that you would touch at least those who are listening to this message from home those that are listening here live or who will listen in the future to this message later on, that, God, your truth would be revealed about what's most important and that we should never use our freedoms and abuse our freedoms at the cost of other people. And remind us of the battles that are worth fighting and the ones that aren't. Help us to be unified as the body of Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to be a sweet fragrance to our community, different than the world, light and salt. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. 
or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Maine is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.